Hey, good morning, listeners, and welcome to Sacred Space in West Limit 102. My name is John Keeley. Delighted to have you join us this morning. This being the middle of August, it's the 19th of August, we're really getting through the air. Uh, inside the studio with me this morning, yet again, um, Lorraine. Good morning, Lorraine Buckley. Good morning, John. How are we? Good morning, listeners. Very good. Lorraine, thanks a lot for joining us. And really, thanks again for last week, because last week um, you really did a beautiful job there with Monica and Hilary. Uh, I know there was an awful lot of people um, enjoyed the programme, and I believe, Shane, just have a look at the blog there. I think there was about 100 people listened into the programme. So oh, fantastic. Thank you very much indeed. And Shane Ambrose on the other end. Good morning, Shane. Good morning, John. Good morning, Lorraine. How's tricks? Oh, very Good. well. Thanks a lot, considering now we're, we made it to the studio without having to use our motorboat again, so we're fine. <laughs> <laughs> and we have somebody very special on the other end of the line. Lorraine, I'll ask you to introduce. Yes, uh, we have our Rome correspondent, our Eucharistic Congress correspondent, and the person who really does keep Shane in his place, <laughs> Sister <laughs> Louise O'Rourke. Good morning, Sister. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Sister. Thanks again for joining us. You're very welcome. I tell you, this has been a long time coming, so you're not going to get away with it this morning. <laughs> Thank you very much again for joining us. Okay, again, uh, as we say every week, this programme is really for, uh, and especially for those people who are ill, housebound, maybe can't get out of bed, can't get out of the house for whatever reason this morning. We really hope that you will hear something on the programme, whether it be the music or something that's said by one of the guests or ourselves that the Holy Spirit might be able to just lift your spirits for that little while this morning. So thanks again for allowing us to come and join you in your own homes this morning. For those of you who listen to us travelling in the car, take care and thanks a lot for joining, tuning in. For those of you who listen to us in our repeat programme, that goes out at 10.30 on a Thursday night, thanks again for allowing us again to come into your homes. And for those of you who might be listening to us on our podcast, which goes out on our, our, our blog, our website, which is www.sacredspace102.blogspot.com. And again, we would just remind listeners that um, we are able to be heard throughout the world now at this stage. There's 156 countries. I know there was one that touched base during the week, and I forget who it was. Um, but if you do have any relations at all, they really want to listen to good programming. They could tune into www.sacredspace102.blogspot.com. So again, we have indeed lit a candle here this morning in the studio, and that's to remind us uh, to, that, that the Holy Spirit, we want the Holy Spirit to stay, with, to stay with us this morning so that we might be open to, to repeat what the Holy Spirit wants us to say. Again, uh, the programme can be contacted, or uh, any suggestions indeed that you want to make about the programme, please do so. It's 69 is the local telephone number. You can drop a line to West Limick 102 Radio, Shane's Road, Newcastle West, for the attention of Sacred Space. Or you can email us at sacredspace102 at gmail.com. And again, thanks to all those people who indeed have, have contacted us and continue to encourage us with your prayers and with your comments. Uh, this particular week, we're not too sure whether we get through to the Gospel, but um, I'm sure you'll have a very interesting uh, conversation coming up within the next few minutes. But before we do that... We always have a, a prayer space which, is, which we think is very important. And this prayer space is really for those people, or maybe for us all, just to, just to, to take time to be by ourselves, maybe a little bit, maybe get in touch with God. Maybe there's something we want to remember in prayer this morning, somebody who's lonely at this particular time. There are lots of people these days who are waiting for results of surgery or worried about the future, worried about their health. We ask the Lord to listen to their prayers this morning. But we also, as we often mention in this program, thank God for so much, for our work, for our faith, for our lives, our neighbours, for our parents, for our families. And this particular point of the program, uh, we always have this prayer, this spiritual communion prayer that we pray each Sunday morning. And this is people who really can't receive Jesus um, in, in the Blessed Sacrament at Mass this morning. So after, I, I might just ask Lorraine just to read this, and then L- Lorraine just might li- just introduce the first piece of music. So Lorraine, thanks. Thanks, John. The Curie of ours said about the spiritual communion prayer, he said, When we cannot go to church, let us turn towards the tabernacle. No wall can shut us out from the good God. 
So we invite you to pray this spiritual communion prayer with us this morning. My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot now receive you sacramentally, come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Thanks for that. Now, Sister Louise has chosen all our pieces of music this morning. Mm. Uh, the f- first piece of music that we're going to play is Be Still from Elation Ministries. And this will be our little prayer space. Sacred Space on West Limerick 102. Welcome back to Sacred Space here on West Limerick 102. My name is Lorraine Buckley. Uh, joining me in the studio are John Keeley and on the phone line is Shane Ambrose. And we are very delighted, privileged and honoured to have on the other phone line this morning, Sister Louise O'Rourke. Good morning, Sister Louise. Morning, Lorraine. How are you? Very well, thank you. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. We're not too. Yeah, (laughs) we're not so scary so far. No, no, we're fine. 
I wonder if you don't mind, because nobody down this side probably knows much about you. Can you just tell us a little bit about who you are and where you're from? Okay, yeah. Um, my name is Sister Louise O'Rourke, and I'm a sister with the Disciples of the Divine Master. Mm-hmm. Generally, when I say that name, people kind of go kind of glared in the eyes because they've never heard it before. But um, it's an Italian-founded order uh-huh. here in Ireland, so um, we've two communities one in Dublin and one in Athlone. And currently I'm here in the one in Dublin. Okay. And uh, I, I came across them in Athlone. Ah. Which is where I'm from. So. Excellent. So tell me a little bit about your family life, Sister Louise. Was um, Did you always want to be a nun? Not at all, no. Um, I suppose growing up I had varying ideas about religious life. I was educated by the Sisters of Mercy from the time I was four until I finished my leaving cert. So the presence of sisters was always there quite prominently in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never thought of actually joining them or not that their life didn't appeal to me, but I just didn't think about their way of life. Mm-hmm. And there were other religious congregations as well in Athlone, the Presentation Sisters, um, the La Union Sisters, the Bower Sisters as they're familiarly called. And then there was our own congregation there, the Disciples of the Divine Master. So um, I suppose it, it wasn't something that, you, you know, you hear people saying since I was five years old, I want to be a sister. Or you hear men saying I used to practice in Mass when I was a child. And I know. Mm-hmm. A priest. So, mm-hmm. um, it was probably maybe in my early teens that I started thinking about it. Now, that's kind of unusual, really, because when you think of teenagers or when people maybe think of teenagers around um, anywhere, really, they might witness an almost a fall off in the faith during the teenage years. I suppose um, I didn't see it that way. I was still very involved in parish life. I was in the children's choir and then we had a choir for the the tots as well. Mm -hmm. And again, going to a Catholic school, the faith was... It was very well instilled in us, and it was part of our normal lives. We went to mass, we said the rosary in school, we prayed in school. So parish, school, were all very much involved in our family life. Mm-hmm. But it was, I think it was one encounter in particular that kind of set the ball rolling in a way, and it was, you know, it's, it's amazing how the Lord works. It was a fluke encounter. I was in sixth class in school, and there was a girl in our class who was quite sick, unfortunately, and we were having a raffle to raise money for her to send her to Temple Street to have this surgery done privately. So we went around at Lone, which is quite small, to all the shops looking for sponsorship prizes. And myself and another friend, we were 11, I think 11 or 12, we went around and we went in begging more or less for, for raffle prizes. And we went into this shop, uh, which looked like a normal shop, and, and nearly dropped dead when we saw there were nuns behind the counter. <laughs> and that was what I later discovered a liturgical centre, which is part of the mission that we have, and it's, it's, it's more or less a shop that sells anything for the churches, and it's got a lot more than that. Um, I can explain that afterwards, but that was the first encounter, and again, walking into the shop and seeing the sisters, um, there were two sisters there um, in full habit and veil, and my first reaction was, I'm going to be in big trouble, because my mother had warned me not to ask for any kind of raffle money or that from nuns or priests. Oh, bless. So we kind of said, do we run or do we stay? <laughs> we stayed and we asked um, for something and the sisters were very nice and they were very joyful. I think that was the first thing that struck me. Mm-hmm. They were very, very joyful and they invited us to come back to a parish choir practice the following day um, that the sisters were involved with. So I think we actually said yes to get a raffle prize. <laughs> At the last minute, I kind of repented and I went along to the choir practice and that's where I met the sisters and began the journey with them. Oh, isn't that just fantastic? And you say it's a fluke um, encounter, but I don't think that was was a fluke. It was divine providence. Absolutely. Um, But it was just amazing how the Lord can use every little thing. Mm. And even, I suppose, the the hilarity of the situation as well, that um, the unexpected, you really don't expect this is the God of surprises. It just keeps on surprising. Absolutely. So you met the sisters in the liturgical centre and then you joined their choir. What happened after that? Well, I suppose I, I just kept, like, obviously I was in school, so I was um, going about my, my normal life and, um, again, quite involved in parish life. Um, had gone to the Legion Mary for a little bit. 
My family wasn't overly religious. It wasn't kind of praying the rosary every, every evening family. But there were very strong values that I received through my family at home, but especially through my grandparents. Mm-hmm. And it gave me a sense that you know, my faith was important, but this relationship with Jesus was something that had to be cultivated. And it wasn't enough just to go to Mass on a Sunday, that there were other spaces that I could meet him there. And that was always there. It was always a deep desire. And I think that's what set the sisters apart from other sisters, that they had the Chapel of Adoration there mm-hmm. in that loan. And when I was, the following year after I met the sisters, a very good friend of mine passed away. And I began looking for answers for, for the bigger questions. Mm-hmm. And found solace in that chapel of adoration that I couldn't explain. And like I wasn't, I knew what adoration was, I suppose, from our religion book, but I didn't, I hadn't experienced Jesus in the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. So I, I started praying in the chapel of adoration as opposed to the parish church, which um, it gave me a sense of just sitting before the Lord. Exactly. I think there's a beautiful I sense. I'd look back at him and yeah. sit in his presence. And that, that was a big thing for me during my teenagers because, um, again, looking for answers, looking at where I was going, and the fact that it was attached to the sisters then, and there was the contact and the communication with them. So um, they were also, I suppose, asking me to ask bigger questions as well about what I wanted to do after leaving search or... Um, you know, where did I feel God was calling me at that time? Mm-hmm. And just as you mentioned, the Leaving Cert there, obviously the Leaving Cert results came out on Wednesday. Um, and I suppose a lot of young people would be searching and seeking kind of God's path for their own lives, even though they, they may not put it in such terms. Um, did you feel a particularly strong call towards religious life at that point? Um, I, I had made up my mind more or less well, I, I had made up my mind and then afterwards the Lord kind of had other plans but I was about 15 and I went to my first discernment retreat with the sisters in Dublin mm-hmm. and again I think it was probably that year that I realised that maybe the Lord was calling me to religious life and I was conscious that I was quite young as well so um, I wanted to finish up my education and I suppose my parents were they were aware that um, I was spending time around sisters and I was involved in parish and that kind of wasn't normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they, they never stopped me. Um, they, they just advised me, I suppose, to take things slowly, um, reading between the lines of what I was trying to say, maybe to try and go and have a career first or maybe come back after 10 years and try religious life. So, sure. Um, I, was, I was 17 when I applied to join the order. So... Um, it was around, it was the leaving third year when I actually had to make a decision because obviously you're filling in CEO forms and you're putting down your choices for college. Mm-hmm. Um, I had been on retreat at that time and that was when I really felt quite strongly that, okay, I need to, to give this a go. And it was, it was actually through um, a movie that we watched on the discernment week and it was the Romero film, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but there's, there's just a point in that film where Oscar Romero, he's the Archbishop of El Salvador, that was, he was martyred as he celebrated Mass. Um, but he just, he comes to a crossroads. He was elected because they thought he wouldn't cause any hassle, but he becomes a very prominent voice for the poor. And he just, he's so agitated and frustrated with the system. And he just, this prayer comes from his heart and says, I can't, you must, I'm yours lead me and when I heard that it just everything made sense that I was resisting the Lord so much mm-hmm. and that I was focusing too much on the what if that what if I can't do it or what if it's not for me or what if I try and then I have to leave or what if um, I'm supposed to be in some other kind of profession but this there are only literally eight or nine words that I can't you must you being the Lord I'm mm-hmm. yours lead me that's been a little short prayer that's accompanied me all, all through my religious life so far. That it's been a source of strength to just go back and remember who's in charge. That I might have had my plans for that leaving third year and say, right, okay, I'm going to go to college and join the convent. But then afterwards, those, those plans are they're confirmed by the Lord through daily life. 
and through the challenges and the difficulties that, that often there can be. Beautiful. Now, unfortunately, uh, it's time to take a break. But appropriately, our next piece of music, which you've also chosen, sister, is Lord, You Have My Heart by Delirious, which I think actually is a perfect piece of music to um, to go with the point from Oscar Romero there. Lord, you have my heart And I will search for yours Jesus, take my life And lead me on Lord, you have my heart And I will search for yours Let me be to you a sacrifice And I will praise you, Lord And I will sing of love come down And as you show your face Sacred Space on West Limerick 102. Welcome back again to Sacred Space here on West Limerick 102. My name is Lorraine Buckley. Joining me in studio is John Keeley. And on the other line, we have Shane Ambrose. And we're speaking this morning to Sister Louise O'Rourke. Sister, that was a beautiful piece of music there. Thank you for picking it. Uh, When we left you before the ad break, you had just applied to join the Disciple um, of the Divine Master community. Can you tell us a little bit more about the community itself? I can indeed. Um, there's a lot. It probably won't be enough for one radio show, but we mm-hmm. try and explain it. But the the congregation is the Disciples of the Divine Master, or some people know us as the PDDM, because the, the Latin word for our congregation is the Pious Disciples of Divine Master. But because of language changes and that, they dropped the pious, but hopefully we're still pious. <laughs> I'm so sure you are. PDDM. And we're part of a wider family that's known as the Pauline family, founded by Blessed James Albrione. And he was a busy man because he founded ten different orders, five religious and five, four secular and an aggregated institute. So they're they're big words, but more or less, there are ten different ways of serving the church. So we're kind of the third foundation within this Pauline family. And people might be, I suppose, listening, and they'll know us indirectly through our brothers because if you pick up the mass leaflets many of them will be printed by the Society of St. Paul mm-hmm. or books or media say DVDs and CDs that um, the Society of St. Paul would have, have either printed here in Ireland or in England so they'd be kind of the, the male 
branch of our congregation. But we were we were founded in 1924 in Italy, in Alba, which is North Italy. Mm-hmm. And we were founded nearly as the spiritual mothers of the other two congregations that had been founded, the Daughters of St. Paul and the Society of St. Paul. And we're the, we see ourselves as the more contemplative branch of the family because we were founded primarily for perpetual adoration. So we're the more contemplative part. And that's it's a mission we're very proud of because you know, it's been close to the heart of Christ all the time. And it's obviously, first of all, praying for our brothers and sisters within the Pauline family that are out there every day, maybe working in the bookshops or knocking door to door promoting Catholic literature that are working in radio stations, that are working in film companies, trying to bring about religious um, and spiritual resources that can go into the hands of the people. Mm. So um, our founder, um, back about three or four years ago, won a poll in Italy, and he was actually, um, I suppose, crowned the, the patron of social communication in Italy. So a lot of radio stations in Italy would have his statues and his um, relics and that. So, um, He's a good man to talk to, even to pray for media. Maybe we should petition Wes Limerick to get a statue of uh, Blessed Alpagarani. Big time. It can be arranged. <laughs> Big time. Yes, okay, we'll do that. But it's, it's amazing because, you know, it's gone back, the first order was 1914, and it was founded as a response to Mussolini because our founders saw how Mussolini could motivate the crowds through a speech, through a talk, and it was literally the masses, the movement of the masses, Mm-hmm. And he just felt, well, if Mussolini can do this, um, I can do it and bring the gospel. So he set about founding a religious family that would evangelize through social communication. And the easiest way to get out to the masses is through social communication. So each part of the family was founded with a specific mission of using social communication. Now, the brothers and the sisters that I mentioned are more directly out there, us being the more kind of contemplative parts. Our mission would be more confined to the house, but we do go out if our mission brings us out. We're not enclosed, mm-hmm. but we're not like maybe other religious orders that we'd be more familiar with, like nursing orders or teaching orders, that we're going out every day to school or hospitals. Um, a lot of the time we, we could spend a week or two weeks here in the house without having to go out for our mission, and there are various aspects of the mission. Um, obviously, our first, our first duty is Eucharistic Adoration. And there we bring the needs of the world. Literally, you know, the amount of intentions that we get, people ring us up, people call to the door. And now with Facebook and Twitter and email, people send us intentions, people write to us. <coughs> um, so they, you're bringing all that before the Lord and you're praying for those who can't pray, feel that they can't pray because God is... And sister, um, you say you have perpetual adoration. How can you um, keep perpetual adoration going within your communities? We have two communities here in Ireland, and in Dublin at the moment, it's generally perpetual. That's both to expression, and there's groups that meet every evening, so the adoration continues up till about eleven and a half, eleven every day. Okay. In PM. Whereas in Athlone, it's perpetual adoration, and it's been going for 27 years, which is brilliant. And it's the, the great work of the local people that take their hour, and people are, are very protective of the hour because I suppose we're conscious that people are getting older as well, and we were trying to see if they want to change their hour. They might be on, say, from 3 to 4 in the morning, and we'd be saying, would you like to, to change your hour? But they've, do, they've been doing the same hour maybe for 20 years don't want to give it up so um, it, it's amazing to see how many people are getting up in the middle of the night and they're coming into town to see their hour they're praying for their families they're praying for the young people they're praying for whatever intentions are left there in the basket when they come to prayer so we, we rely heavily on our friends and our benefactors that help us out in our mission and the same here in Dublin that the chapels both chapels are open to the public so people walk off the streets, the commune is open during the day. Um, the sisters, we we see ourselves as sentinels of the Eucharist. That's the expression the founder used to use. And each day we have two hours set aside. So that's just the prayer before the Eucharist. And we're like the change in the guard of time because I might go to pray and then after my two hours another sister will come and 
I'll come out and she'll stay. So there's this continuous presence there. And again, it's um, the communion among us because we're doing this here in Ireland and the same thing is happening in all our other communities. We're in 31 countries throughout the world. So to think that I'm kneeling in prayer here in Ireland before the Eucharist and my sister in Jerusalem is praying also there for, for peace in the Holy Land. They're the ties of communion that go beyond distance and and, and kind of, I suppose, um, you're thinking of distance that the sisters might have in their mission, that they're isolated because there's only maybe two of them in a the community. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that there's that bond in the Eucharist that, that binds us together. And that's beautiful. You said that was the first first aspect of your mission. Obviously, prayer is is the most important aspect. And then the second aspect. There, there's three. Actually. Oh, there's three. <laughs> Very trinitarian. <laughs> the founder he gave us this mission, and it was an expression that he said, "It's from one single love, three missions spring forth, and it's love of Jesus in the Eucharist, mm-hmm. and then love of Jesus living in the priesthood." and love of Jesus living in the church and its liturgy. So um, the other two aspects, they're all very much linked, because obviously if if we had no Eucharist, um, we'd have no priest. If we had no priest, we'd have no Eucharist, vice versa. Then the liturgy is where we come to celebrate Eucharist, and it makes us Eucharistic people, because as we leave our celebration, the priest is in with masked waves and glorify the Lord in their life. <coughs> so... Um, that they're all linked, but the concrete expressions then would be the, the the priestly aspect of our our mission. It varies from country to country. Um, I can speak maybe a little bit about the countries that I've lived in, and here in Ireland, it's, that, that would be great. It's very much um, small because um, there's nine of us here in Ireland, nine sisters, mm-hmm. five of us here in Dublin, so it's very much. Um, one-to-one um, in other countries because the numbers would be greater. They'd, be, they'd have structures like homes for priests that could take in maybe 40 priests. Okay. And the mission that we carry out with the priests varies because it's very much like the pro-life slogan where they say, from the womb to the tomb. Um, our mission with the priest would be like that. It's from the womb that we're praying for vocations to the priesthood. We're praying for holy priests. We're praying for seminarians. So our sisters would work in the seminaries for the formation, mm-hmm. or they'd work maybe um, living in the seminaries as nurses or looking after the seminarians um, for the cooking or the laundry. And it takes on various expressions. And then as they progress through their ordained life, that, and especially the younger priests, that they'd be there as a network of support. So we'd encourage them in their spiritual life that we'd have houses where they can come for a retreat. Um, and then we have a special love for priests that are in difficulty. Mm-hmm. And this can be was controversial at times because we forget that behind every priest that there's, there's a man there that has you know, his difficulties and his challenges and living the priestly life and needs to be supported. So um, sometimes they need closer support and we have houses for priests in difficulty. So that, again, takes on various expressions priests that might be burnt out and need some time to get back on their feet, um, priests that might be waiting for a change of ministry, priests that, um, fortunately as it is at the moment, might have been accused and are innocent and are waiting canonical trial or civil trial mm-hmm. and would need support in that way. And then in other countries as well, we have homes for elderly priests, so um, especially diocesan priests that are on their own and are sick and need to be looked after. And then the, the final step, obviously, is praying for priests who have passed away. So to keep praying for them because um, they, they still need our prayers that way. So you know, it's very much that arc of the womb to the tomb. Mm, it's beautiful that you accompany the priests all the way. It is. It's a beautiful mission. And the, the more I go ahead on in religious life, I, I really thank God that he called me to this order because I could see it's, it's the deep love that I have. Um, and it's it's not always easy because again, you know, it's we're living in a time where the the whole image of priesthood is changing, and again, there there can be problems about you know mm-hmm. the, the image of the priest. How do we walk with the priest? And um, I'm thinking these are our brothers. They're the men that give us the Eucharist every day. They break the word of God with us and for us. They give us the sacraments, and um, 
you know, they're, they're part of the communion, which is the body of the church. So we're working together to create that communion. That's just beautiful. And then the third aspect, Sister Louise? The liturgical aspect, mm-hmm. and I slightly referred to it earlier when I was talking about the escapade of meeting the sisters in our liturgical centre. And the liturgical centre is the very public expression of our ministry because it's, it's more or less like a shop. But we call it a centre because people will come in and they'll ask for maybe advice about liturgy, um, anything that's used for mass, for celebrations. So we make a lot of the items that are in our in our centres. So it's using the the gifts of art and creativity to preach the gospel. And the the Pauline brothers and sisters would use books and media in that way. We were called to use the artistic expression. So it's bringing beauty and art into liturgical worship, and that means using gifts of painting, sculpture, music, architecture anything that can be used to, to create something beautiful for the Lord. And it, it depends because people will come in and they might commission a painting or they might commission a banner or they might come in and they want their chapel renovated or they want a chapel built mm-hmm. or the liturgical space restructured. So it can take, um, say, just liturgical advice. And that would be in a ministry that I'd be involved with throughout the years. I, I see myself as artistic and not an artist. So, <laughs> A lot of people ask us, you know, when they see the common stay with us, when they see the sisters that are doing the artwork, and they say, well, do you have to be an artist to join? And I really feel that, you know, be artistic in the sense that you can see the beauty in things mm-hmm. and try and transmit that in whatever you're making. And it can be something small, like we make handmade cards. And as the sisters are sewing or if they're making cards or painting, um, they're praying, they're praying the rosary together and we're praying for the people that will say, buy that card or buy that chasuble. We're praying for the priest that will wear the alb and it's a way of the ministry continuing through prayer. So that's why, again, we don't call it a liturgical shop because it highlights the business transaction and that isn't what it's about. It's about the transmission of the faith through something like a holy picture but a lot of people will come into our, our centre and ask for prayers. They want to talk. Um, another thing we do is we, we can take mass stipends, and that links up to our priestly ministry because we can help, and we have helped, thank God, so many priests that are on the missions and through the stipends. And it's beautiful to, to receive the letters back. And even in Eastern Europe, priests that tell us they've used the stipends to, to put electricity into their churches or from, from Africa as well, that they've built a school or that they've bought shoes for, for students. So you know, to see that, again, the solidarity of the church through the tradition of something like mass offerings, and it's going back, it's been you know, used again for, for God's glory and to help others have the fullness of life that the Lord wants. It's, you know, it's something he says in John's Gospel, I want you to have the fullness of life. So he, he can do that in many ways and in, in various missions. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Sister Louise. It's time for another break, I'm afraid. But before we go there, we're going to have a piece of music. It's called More Love, More Power by the group Anam.
Sacred Space on West Limerick 102. Welcome back again to our final part of Sacred Space this morning on West Limerick 102. My name is Lorraine Buckley. Joining me in studio is John Keeley and on the phone, Shane Ambrose. And we've been talking to Sister Louise O'Rourke, a PDDM, a Sister Disciple of the, the Divine Master, all about um, their order and community and her own vocation story. Sister Louise, I believe you're 50 years in Ireland this year? We are, 50 years. It's, it's hard to believe. It's incredible. Um, we came to Ireland in 1962 and we began our foundation in Athlone. So uh, we're looking forward to celebrations the first week of September and our Mother General will be joining us for the occasion and we have a sister coming from America who's going to be giving talks and workshops for the week. So it is, it's a great milestone and it's the opportunity as well to, uh, first of all, thank God for all that he's done in these 50 years. And also for the, the hundreds of sisters that have been here because we've had so many missionary sisters throughout the years and the, they came and they started the order and they were courageous to, to come here and not knowing what they'd find or what would be down the road. So um, yeah, it, it's a big milestone and we look forward to 50 more, please God. Yeah, absolutely. Um, are you having any public celebrations for that, sister? On the 9th of September, we're going back to our roots and we're going to Athlone and we have the celebration of the Eucharist on the 9th of September and be presided over Bishop Christopher Jones, who is the, the Bishop of Alfin. And it's a celebration open to everybody, so if you find yourself on that side of the Shannon, you're welcome to drop into the church at 3 o'clock for the celebrations and for the, the party afterwards. So, and then the week before that, we have various workshops for the people around. And our community have organised also that the people from Dublin, from our community here, would also come down to Athlone and join with the celebrations there because we're very much, we, we work between the two communities and we work together. So um, a lot of the people would know each other between Athlone and Dublin. Sister, uh, just before Lorraine asks you the last question, I just want to ask you just one, briefly please. If some young lady was in the same position as you were there was a number of years ago, wondering what to do with her life, met some sisters, maybe thought they'd like, she'd like maybe to follow them, what sort of advice would you give them? My first thing would be to try it. I think that's what stopped me for about two years, this mm. what if. Mm. And then I think I just came to the point, I said, well, if I don't try it, I'll never know. Yeah. And times have changed. You know, there are so many possibilities even to just go for a day and visit the community, go for a weekend, um, to try it out. And it's not that if you go, you have to join. There's a lot more openness there of accompanying people and helping them find their vocation. So you know, I think part of my mission this year, I've been working with young people that come and visit and want to talk about where God is calling them. And it's, sometimes it's not necessarily a religious life, it's towards married life or consecrated single life. Mm-hmm. To walk with them in that space and to check up on the internet and see what's out there because you can check up on orders before you go and visit and see mm-hmm. you know, what appeals to you, what kind of prayer life, contemplative um, or more apostolic, whether you like something that's more centered on community living. And you can see a lot of congregations have websites where they have all this information. And check out the, the social networks because there's, there's new websites coming up where you can actually literally just ask nuns questions. Um, and it's, it's a good opportunity to maybe try and use those fears that you might have. But the, the main thing is to give it a try because vocation is a precious thing. And it's not always easy, but it, it's worth giving it a go because um, there's great satisfaction and I've experienced in my own life that the Lord takes us as we are, but he never leaves us where we are. And he wants to give us so much. And he works with the weaknesses that we have, and he turns them into gifts for both ourselves and for others and for the church. So 
not to be afraid, um, not to be afraid of maybe the, the weaknesses we see in ourselves that we think could be obstacles. That the Lord, the Lord can do miracles, you know, and nothing's impossible to Him. Beautiful. Would you just remind us of those nine words again? Was it about nine words again? I can't, is it? Um, it's, I can't. Yeah. You must. Yeah. I'm yours. I'm yours. That I'm yours is very much the, the consecration that a lot of people make every day mm-hmm. through the hands of Mary to the Lord. So mm-hmm. I'm yours. Beautiful. You just mentioned there about um, kind of Googling different um, orders, Sister. What's your own website? Our own website, has, well, it has two, but our Irish website is www.pdn, again, the, the abbreviation of the order, Pious Disciples Divine Masters, pdn.org backslash Ireland. Perfect. And we'll ask our um, resident blog guru, Shane, to put all the details up um, on our blog after the programme. I want to thank you most sincerely, Sister Louise, for coming on this morning. It has been fantastic. You will come on again, won't you? Please, God. Um, I'm off on some travels now for two years. I'm moving to Canada, so if if I'm back in the country, I'd, I'd love to come back. And I believe you have confessed to something terrible during the ad break. You've never been to Limerick. Yes. We're going to have to rectify that. Well, it's either that or I've never been to Canada. <laughs> One of the two. So thank you very much again, Sister Louise. Uh, before we go to our final piece of music, which uh, Sister picked for us, just to say next week we're hoping to have Michael Keating on the programme, John. Please, God. Now, Michael uh, was going to go on just in a, a few weeks back, but uh, we, we haven't heard from Michael for a bit, but Michael's promised to come on and maybe give us something new. Well, I think that was my fault. Mm. I think I ousted him for a different interview. We'll see so that anyway. Mea culpa, Michael, and we'll talk to you next week. The final piece of music is called Open the Eyes of My Heart. So let's have a listen to this. So until next week. God bless now. Bye-bye. Bye. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. To see you high lifted up, shining.
Sacred Space on West Limerick 102.